Bibles to Proverbs today. We're going to the 24th chapter of Proverbs. Hang out there. I'm going to build a little bit of a foundation, and then I want to let the structure of this truth come up. We're finishing up 40 days of renewal. Our 40th day was on Friday. We're continuing because day 41 ought to be just as powerful as any day of the 40 days because God is doing a renewing work. He's doing a work of revival in the number of people who are eager for him to do that here's what the scripture says if you seek him you will find him knock and he will open the door ask and he will give so we're seeking him and we're knocking on the door and we are believing that God is restoring and reconciling and bringing a real movement of his spirit among those who are wanting that so we're finishing up this series we're looking at seven sins as the world calls them the deadly sins it's not necessarily from the scripture that descriptor but we recognize there are seven areas that if we allow them to be in our life that they really compound into various other sins and so we've been seeking freedom in Jesus Christ from those areas and today we're talking about slothfulness or laziness now, if you're like me, you might be thinking, well, this one I can just kind of check out on. I'm not, not having a problem with that one. But then the plumb line of God's word falls, and then when it does, we recognize, well, maybe I'm leaning some away from that, or I'm completely not in the truth. So let's talk about how God can give us victory over those kind of things in our life. So what do you think about when, when we talk about work? I'm believing that the way we think about work reveals our understanding about God. The way we work reveals our service to the Lord and even is connected to our worship to Him. So when you think about work, what is it that comes to your mind? For many Christians, they really don't see a connection with a sacred and secular, the worship of God and the work that we do. But I'm going to show you today how the Bible doesn't show that distinction. The Bible shows them as being uh, from one source, work and worship. Or, or maybe you're like some in the world that just are among the rising number of people who are rejecting worship altogether, and their life is driven to work and leisure in the cycles of work and leisure. Or maybe you think that work is a curse that is given to us by God, and you're hoping one day to be freed from that curse. Uh, if you think about it, we actually walk into that rhythm by saying, oh, I'm going to work through the week, and then I'm going to have rest from work on the weekend. Or I'm going to work for 30 years of my life, and then I'm going to rest for the rest of my life. And I'm here to say that God gives us a different descriptor of what work and that rhythm is to be like so when we have a biblical worldview that is we get our thinking from the bible uh, then we really flourish in regards to living so let's look at the biblical worldview of work today so in the beginning god commissioned work uh, you and i need to recognize that that was the first instruction that god gave to adam you, you might wonder well tell me about that i thought that there were other things that god gave instruction to adam well here's the way god made adam he pulled together dust of the ground and he formed man by the dust of the ground he breathed life into man and then he put him in the midst of the garden and so you might ask well what was the first assignment that he gave to man work the garden 
uh, before Eve was given to him in marriage, before Eve was even formed from Adam, God said to Adam, work and keep the garden. Before he was given dominion and instruction of dominion over all things, God said to Adam, I'm placing you in this garden, work it and keep it. In fact, here's what he said. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Now, notice how I've got that in red. It's because I'm going to signify a word in Hebrew uh, that God helps us to understand what work is. It's adab, and adab means to work. Sometimes it means to serve, and sometimes it's even translated to worship. So he's telling Adam, I'm, I'm making you, I'm forming you, I'm breathing life into you. We're going to be in relationship together. And in that relationship, an expression of this relationship is you work the garden and you keep the garden. So some people think, well, I thought work came after sin. And thereby it's the curse that God put on mankind. Oh, no. Work is part of the expression of who we are in our relationship to God. It's something that's beautiful. It's something that is purposeful. It's given to us by God, meant to bring joy to our life and, and meant to be part of who we are in Christ Jesus. So we can get that with Adam. We see in the, the chronological way of, of the second chapter of, of Genesis how God formed and placed and told instruction to work and keep the garden. But you and I are in the same way. You and I have been born again in Christ Jesus. We have been made by God, by the workmanship of God, and we have been given work by God in Christ Jesus. In fact, if you go to the next screen, you'll see this out of the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2. We are God's workmanship. In the same way that God formed Adam, we are the workmanship of God, and we were created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you and I are meant in this relationship we have with Christ and the discovery of the purposefulness of Christ and the kingdom of God, whether it's in this world in a spiritual kingdom or the kingdom to come, which is eternal, you and I were made to work. Uh, if you're thinking that heaven is you or me sitting on a cloud strumming some harp or lyre, no, no, no. You and I were made for work. In that place, we will work, we will serve, and we will worship, and we will be fulfilled in that. Our today work is meant to help us to understand the discovery of what the fullness of relationship with Christ is like and the expression of that relationship in our work, uh, both in our home and our jobs and our church and life in general. So the Hebrew language that was given to us by God and given to his people is very very good language for us to learn by and it will help us the language itself will help us to discover God's truths about this and how there's a blending of work and service and worship now in the western mindset to our detriment we separate those things we we say oh work is over here and serving God is over there and worship is over there and the Hebrew language is trying to blend those constantly helping us to have a different mindset and not have the mindset of the world, specifically the Western world. Hey, I know this is going to be an elementary truth, but man, is it ever needing to be repeated. You are a kingdom of, in the kingdom of heaven, a resident, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, which supersedes your residency and citizenship as a United States citizen. 
So you've got some things, and I do too, in the ideology of being an American that is negated by the truth of God as a citizen of the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God. And so, yeah, we have this system and rhythm in the United States where we think differently about work and service and worship. But listen, if you're a saint of God, listen to me. God says, I want you to rethink that. That's repentance. I want you to rethink that. And I want you to see the blending of work and service and worship. Now, watch this in the language of, of the Hebrew language. I've already mentioned to you Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God put the man in the garden to work it, adob, and keep it. Now, look at the next one. And this in Exodus 3, it's the early chapters of Exodus, and God is commissioning, he's calling Moses to be the agent of redemption for his people, God's people there in Egypt, the people of Israel. And God is giving instruction to Moses about the redemption that God is going to provide for them. And Moses is saying, how will I know that these things are coming about? And listen to God's word to him. God said, I will be with you. All right, so in the relationship that God and Moses have together, this is a wondrous movement of God in Moses' life. Moses is responding in faith. That's the way our relationship with God works as well. God moves upon us and we respond in faith. So this is a, a regular theme throughout the scripture in our life. God says, I will be with you and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve. And there's the same word, adab. You shall serve. It's already been translated work. And now it's serve God on this mountain. Now, this mountain is in the wilderness. Uh, there's no office buildings there. There's no factories there. Uh, you don't plant a garden in the wilderness. You're, this is the desert, right? Has it ever intrigued you that he says, you shall serve me there? Well, what are they going to do? The New Jerusalem Bible and the NIV and the Holman Christian Standard translate this word a little bit differently. They translate it, you shall worship me here on this mountain. You say, well, which one is right? All of them. Because God doesn't subdivide work and service and worship. He sees it as what we are in the expression of our relationship to him and with him. So you shall come out to this wilderness and you shall serve me. What are they going to do on that mountain to serve him? I'll tell you what they do. They stand around it and they don't touch it. In fact, God says to Moses, you make sure that none of them put their foot on this mountain. Don't let them touch this mountain, nor their animals touch this mountain, for this mountain is going to be holy because I'm going to be there on that mountain. Isn't that weird? So they're not even to be on the mountain, touch the mountain, be part of the mountain, but yet they're to serve God there. Well, it makes sense. Oh, it does when you have a Hebrew mindset. You're going to worship me, and you're going to serve me. You're going to work all combined together in this expression of who they are as people of God. So you and I need to have an understanding of the theology of work with that, with that foundation. What is the theology of work? Where is God in the midst of the expression of our living and working? Well, again, as, as Westerners, we separate work, service, and worship, but the Bible draws them together, ties them together. So in other words, worship and Sunday, oh, excuse me, worship and service to the Lord is not meant to be a Sunday-only event. It's meant to be just as glorious on Monday as it is on Sunday. 
So you and I had just a moment with God, just worshiping him for who he is. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker, right? He's a promise keeper. We had that moment, and it was a glorious moment just recognizing that only God could do that. That's what glory is. Only God could do that. That's the distinction of him. He is totally righteous, totally true, totally honorable. We know people that are somewhat righteous, somewhat true, and somewhat honorable. God is totally that. He is gloriously that. So we had that moment. But did you know when the alarm clock goes off tomorrow and it's time to go to work? That is meant to be a glorious moment as well. And Tuesday, I think the kids are out tomorrow. If you're not, I'm sorry I said that. I think you're off tomorrow. So Tuesday, when the alarm goes off and you're heading to school, did you know that's meant to be a moment of glory? And when you're doing out your homework or term paper, cramming for a test, whatever it is, that is meant to be done in the expression of your relationship with God? Did you know that's a worshipful moment? God, you've given me capacity. Now, some, when it comes to studying for tests, he gives greater capacity. But Lord, in the measure and the capacity that you've given me, I am going to be faithful and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to worship you in that moment. That's the way it is at work. That's the way it is in our homes. That's the way it should be here in our ministry at church. It's all meant to be a moment of glory where we're worshiping and serving and working. Those are all meant to be together. In fact, you see this in Colossians chapter 3. It's on the screen. Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord. So if you're a student, work heartily unto the Lord. If you're uh, working over at Goodyear and you're thinking things are winding down or whatever, do your work, whatever it is. Do it unto the Lord. If you're a school teacher, do it unto the Lord. If you're a preacher, do it unto the Lord. Whatever it is that you do by the giftings that God has given you, he says, whatever you do, work unto the Lord. And that's freeing for us because some of you, not this staff, but some of you have bosses that are jerks. And you're wondering, do I honor him or her in my work oh you just go right over his head or her head and you have the mindset my work is unto the Lord it's worship an expression of worship can I just say that your worship is even heightened when it costs you something when you're in the friction of a job that is not going well and you're struggling and you still do your work unto worship Man, that's a worship that is wondrous unto the Lord. So whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Look at that. You are serving the Lord Christ. You hear that? Where it's Adam being placed in the garden, adopt it, work it, keep it. Or it's you being placed in your business or in your office or on the production line or out in the field or whatever it is that you do. Do it serving Christ. Have that mindset. And that's a glorious mindset. It's a joy-filled mindset. And it's one that will really uh, help you to identify who Christ is and who you are in Christ Jesus. So service of God takes place in our homes, our offices, our farms, schools, factories, and every other location that God places us throughout the week that we can be productive. So when it comes down to it, you and I do not serve a part-time God, right? He's a full-time God. And so we don't serve him part-time as if I'm serving him on Sundays. 
I'm going to serve him Monday through Sunday. I'm going to serve him Sunday through Saturday. I'm going to serve him Tuesday through when the whole week. Just serve God. Now, with that, let's go to Proverbs. Because in Proverbs, the wise one has given us some instruction about this whole notion of serving and working and worshiping. So Proverbs 24, I want you to look with me in verse 30. Here's what he says. I pass by the field of a sluggard by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. I'll pause here for a moment. Uh, in your Bibles, if you're looking like me, uh, mine's the ESV. And I see right there by lacking sense, there's a small letter I. It's a footnote. And that small I helps me to see that there's uh, some translation that could go one of two ways. And in this case... It could be lacking sense, or it also could be lacking heart. I think that's a better translation. Because the one who doesn't have his heart inclined to the Lord will move in a direction that is against the way of God. So I think what the, the, the Proverbs writer is saying, I saw the field of a lazy person. I saw the field of a sluggard. And it was evident that he lacked heart. He was lacking sense. And behold, here's what he saw. It was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles. Anybody have nettles in your yard right now? Uh, if your grass is dormant and you see things that are coming up that are green, nettles. It's weeds. So I'm looking out in this field and I'm not seeing things that are productive. I'm not seeing things that are fruitful. What I'm seeing is thorns and weeds and the fence is broken down. For us, it would be strands of barbed wire. But in their case, it's rock walls. If you've ever been to Israel, you know if they've got one thing, they have rocks. <laughs> they are everywhere. And they take rocks and put the borders of their fields up with rocks. But in this case, the Proverbs writer is saying, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing walls that are broken down so that the boundaries aren't clear. I'm seeing weeds and I'm seeing thorns. I'm seeing everything but what is productive. So he passes by, he sees this, verse 32, and I saw it and I considered it. I looked and received instruction. Now here's the instruction that he gets. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty would come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. When the writer is saying that he sees a field that has thorns and weeds and broken borders, he's referring us back to another chapter in Genesis. Genesis 2, God forms man, he breathes life into man, gives him his assignment, and his life assignment is in this relationship I have with you work this ground and keep it you go one chapter more to chapter three and you have mankind rebelling against god wanting to be like god not submissive to god and god comes against that with judgment and part of the judgment is to curse the ground remember this now what happens thorns and thistles weeds come up and god says to adam you will continue to work, but by the sweat of your brow, you will eat. In other words, it's going to be difficult. 
The land is not going to be as productive. It is not going to be as fruitful. You have brought sin into this world. And the part of the curse is unproductivity. So when the Proverbs writer takes us to that image of thorns and weeds and unfruitfulness, he takes us to a point where somebody's heart is lacking sense. Somebody's heart is not in line with God, and that individual is not bringing the work it, keep it mindset to the field, and because of that, it's unproductive and it's unfruitful, and that field has no way to bring glory to God. Oh, our work in relationship with God is meant to bring production. It's meant to be fruitful, and it's meant to bring glory to God. But when we're lazy, when we're a sluggard, when we don't have that biblical mindset, the theology is off, and we disconnect work from serving God and work from worshiping God, when we go in that direction, our heart is lacking sense. Is that making sense to you? And God is saying to us, I want to free you from that. I want to rescue from that. It's a sin that's going to lead unto death. All sin leads unto death. But it's also a sin that will rob you of joy. You wonder why you're not joy-filled in your job? You know why you're not joy-filled in cleaning the house? You know why you're not joy-filled in taking the trash out of the car and keeping the car maintained? You know why? Because you've disconnected that from who you are in Jesus Christ. You've disconnected those kind of things from the expression of worship and service unto the Lord. And the Lord says, don't, don't isolate yourself in certain categories. I want all of you, and I want to give you joy and blessings in all of your life. Now, if you're wondering, well, I don't have a field. <laughs> I'm not worried about thorns and thistles. could care less about that, Randy. Well, let's swap it around a little bit. What if the Proverbs writer said something like this? The other day I was walking by a classroom and I observed a teacher and this is what I observed of her class or his classroom. Or the other day I was walking through the plant and this is what I observed regarding production from that person. Or the other day I was walking down the hall and this is what I heard the person proclaiming from the platform. This is what I saw among the flock. The other day I was going through the hallway and I looked in and that's the condition of the room. Clothes strewn everywhere. Bed in disarray. And I saw someone's heart lacking. And you could put our, our life into it and it still makes sense. What he's saying is, when you're doing something, do it as unto the Lord and let it be evident to God and others that your life is unto Him. Let it be an expression of who you are as someone who is in Jesus Christ. So the church's message to employees and employers must be more than be lawful, be honorable, and come to church on Sundays. The message for all workers and all people is do your work unto the Lord. so you may be thinking that being lazy or unproductive isn't really that big of a deal but lazy people reject the way of God lazy people have a 
heart that is not conditioned unto the heart of God. For he is constantly at work. Here's what Proverbs 18 says. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. So someone who disassociates work and service from worship to God is someone who is denying the opportunity to be living to the glory of God. And you're subject to being lazy. So we express our theology when we're couch potatoes and the house is in disarray. And we express our theology when we're watching Netflix, binging constantly on Netflix while something goes unfulfilled. Or we're expressing our theology when the project continues to go undone because of procrastination. So the Proverbs is helping us to identify those areas where our heart is askew from the things of God. You might say, well, I don't know that I'm lazy. Would never consider myself slothful. I would say the same about myself. So why don't we go to the scripture? Because I have a hard time identifying sin in my own life. I can identify it in my wife real easily. She can identify it in me real easily. But it comes to difficulty when we try to identify it in each other, which is why we've got the word of God. It's like a plumb line that just falls and it, you don't get a movement one way or the other. God tells us exactly how he demands for our lives to be. So let's, let's identify ways that Proverbs shows people their laziness. Take your hand out and just fill in some of the blanks. I've given you three blanks because I figured this would be about the time that you might start dozing a little bit and it's hard to write and doze at the same time. So take your pen and let's just fill in a couple of blanks here. We know that we're slothful, moving in sloth slowly, when we are living out of rhythm with rest and work. And what I mean by that is we're disproportionate. Whole lot more rest than work. Now listen, this thing is meant to be in rhythm. You can't work well without resting well. So if you're thinking I'm saying that God wants us to work, 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 no. God wants us to have rhythm, and he is giving us rhythm in creation. Uh, the rhythm for him is working six days, resting one. That's a pretty good rhythm for us as well. It's one that God has blessed and continues to bless. But it's rhythm. But when you have a disproportionate amount of rest, then you've moved towards slothfulness. How many uh, parents have ever said this? How long will you lie there? <laughs> That's what Proverbs is saying. How long are you going to lie there? How, how long are you going to stay in that recliner, your wife says? And your husband says, how long are you going to be on the couch? <laughs> how long are you going to sleep? And what Proverbs is saying, there's a disproportionate to the rhythm that God has established. And when that's true, when you catch yourself constantly wanting to binge Netflix, constantly wanting to hang out in the recliner while you got projects that ought to be, when you catch yourself out of rhythm, disproportionate to rest, then you have to ask yourself, is my heart in check? Is my heart in alignment with God? Am I expressing worship? Can I... Can I just tell you, there are times when rest is an expression of service to the Lord. And there is time when working is an expression of service to the Lord. Just ask him to give you wisdom in that. Here's, a, here's another one. Believing wrongly that work is not required. You can tell we're a rich nation because there are a great number of people who just think that work is not required. And here's what Proverbs says, the sluggard won't plow when the autumn season comes. 
disregarding that spring is going to be right around the corner disregarding that there's going to be a time for harvesting and if in their rhythm of farming if you didn't plow in the autumn you weren't going to be ready to plant in the spring i think that's much to do with our society today that there's just people who think that they're going to be able to have food and resources without work and god says that's not the way it works you have to work you've got to plow the field in order to get the harvest so sometimes people will come up to me and say uh, pastor will you pray for me that i might get my disability now if if they're disabled i'm all for it because we are a benevolent nation and we have a benevolent heart give, given to us by god but it always puts me at a little bit of a vex because i know the healer i know the redeemer i know the restorer and I've often said to them, you know, you're putting me in a little bit of a bind here because I have a ministry that's part of me that wants the wholeness of Christ for your life and God wants you to be whole that you might be fruitful and productive and express your life of vitality that he wants to give you. I'm going to pray for your healing. And if God wants you to stay weak and not be able to work, then I'll pray that you get the resources that this rich nation can provide for you and this church can help but the first opportunity is i want to work i want to plow and i want to plant and i want to harvest why not because i want to be self-sustaining but because that's the way i can give glory to god and express service to him the rhythm of god that he's placed into creation if you're offended uh i'm sorry i'm just kind of moving us to a biblical worldview rather than a western worldview all right how about this one avoiding work by making up excuses every now and then the writer the, the writer of proverbs gives little digs for instance the slothful the lazy is too lazy to pick up his hand to scoop the food to his mouth <laughs> uh, this one's sort of like that here's a person that makes up excuses by saying the sluggard does there's a lion in the road i can't go over there to work there's a lion in the streets and of course there's not a lion in the road there's not a lion in the streets and it's just an excuse anybody make excuses like that um, yeah me too you know I don't think I can do that today um, span he's wearing his suspenders I'm pretty sure it's going to rain today I don't think I'll do that today um, I think I'll put that one to the summer then summer gets here it's way too hot I'll do that in the fall just making up excuses here's another failing to plan and prioritize your life and duties uh, the proverbs talks about diligence don't do things hastily but plan them out don't live for the moment that know the long-term consequences make your plan prioritize your plan and follow through with it you say is, is that god absolutely god is a god of order and he wants us to be productive and fruitful and make those plans here's another i'm kind of moving through them fastly not finishing task well whoever is slothful whoever is lazy will not roast his game but the diligent man will get precious wealth so what he's saying is here's a guy who's gone out on the hunt he's spent his time on the hunt he's made the kill he's brought the animal in he's dressed it out he's put it to a point where he could cook it and he chooses not to roast it that just doesn't make sense at all 
He's talked about it. He's planned it. He's known it needs to be accomplished, and then it never gets done. One of these days, I'm going to get round to it, right? Doesn't make the plan. Doesn't follow through with the plan. Just one day, I'm going to do that. Let's see if we've got some more here. Being easily diverted from work to accomplish. So whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits like Instagram, Facebook, and Fox News lack sense. Okay, I added some of that in there, but you see that's what he's saying. There's diversions, right? I mean, we live in the opportunity of diversion. Everybody says, oh, I'm so, so busy, but they spend four hours a day watching television. I'm so busy, but Apple reminds you every now and then if your screen time has gone up or if it's gone down, and it's probably way too much. They're just easily diverted. And the Lord says it's a heart issue. And that ought to be redeemed. And Christ has come to redeem us from that. And then finally, procrastinating rather than starting and completing the work. So in all toil, there is profit. But mere talk tends only to poverty. So just procrastinating, putting it off, that will lead us to brokenness. So if you find yourself with those struggles, and I would dare say, all of us find ourselves in some measure with those struggles. I don't know anybody who's uh, not needing redemption in those ways, at least some of those ways. Then you need to ask yourself, what am I avoiding and why am I doing that? What's behind that? Why, why am I having difficulty with this task? It might be that it's just a tough task and it's easier to avoid it. And we just let that be one of the maybes out there. This is just tough, and I just don't want to do it. But if this is a heart issue and an expression of my service to the Lord, then I, my prayer needs to be different. Lord, this is tough, and I just don't want to do it because it's tough. Will you give me strength? Will you give me the capacity to carry this out? Because I want to do this in a way that expresses our relationship and my worship to you and my service to you. It might be that you're unsure how things are going to happen, how you even get started in it. Would you just ask God for wisdom in that? If God has given the assignment for life and the capacity, would you just ask him for the capacity to complete it according to his glory? And just ask, you, ask him to point you in the right directions? It, it could be that you just failed to remember that our work is unto service and worship to the Lord and you just need to have a, a reset. Lord, help me to think this way that I will worship you in the midst of my day, that I will serve you in what I'm doing. Uh, the answer is seek counsel and wisdom from God. He supplies every need needed to live according to his glory. So let's come to this conclusion that laziness is a big deal because laziness leads to our death. Here's the way Proverbs sums it up. Chapter 21, verse 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. Can we just be reminded that the wages of sin, including that of slothfulness, laziness, is death. But Christ has come to set us free from that. He has come to give us a new heart, a new nature that we might do work well, well enough that would bring him glory and worship. This isn't talking about us being workaholics in the American way. This is talking about you and me having a theology of work that we live out in a way that gives God glory and points other people to him. 
So let's, let's talk about how we might make plans for meaningful work and honorable work unto the Lord. Identify what it is and accomplish it. Uh, when I was first writing this message last week, and even as of about 7.50 this morning, I had this in my notes this little chart, which was the task and when it was to start, when it was to be finished, who was I going to tell about the task, what are my emotions that might be hindering me from it, and where I was in the process. I cut it out. I'm like, that's not what I need to be doing. How about we just get down to the point where you and I in some way identify what needs to be done. For me, it's a ledger pad on the right side of my desk. It's filled with notes. You know what my problem is? You go three or four or five pages back and there's some stuff that hadn't been checked off yet. And somehow in my mind, I think if I flip the page, that one's gone. <laughs> it's not like that. So I bought a piece of furniture a couple of years ago at auction, sight unseen. I wouldn't recommend it. Because when I went to pick it up, it had some dings and marks on it. Then I thought, ah, this thing's going to have to be redone. And I don't know how to redo furniture. So when you go into my, dri into my drive, into the garage, between Kay's car and my truck, there is a piece of furniture that needs something done to it. But for two years, I've been putting that off. I've been avoiding it. You know why? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to strip that. I don't know how to put stain back. I don't know how to, what, what grain sand do you use when you're doing that stuff? I don't know, never done that. So there's part of me that says, you know, if you try that, you just might end up being humiliated in front of your wife because it's going to look like a piece of furniture that needs to be thrown out. You put that in your house and you invite a guest to spend the night in that room and they're going to think, what is this? That's horrible. So I'm telling you, I'm identifying the problem. And I'm letting you know that it is to be accomplished. And you'll hold us accountable to that. Whenever Kay finishes that, you will know. <laughs> and see, there's something about you now knowing my secret. When my secret is hidden, I can leave it in the garage all I want. But now some of you are just wisecracked enough to ask me. You ever finish that furniture? So identify it. Openly share it with somebody else. What you want, when you're going to start it, when you're going to complete it. Seek God to complete the task. Ask him for help. Pray about it. Have you been praying about your work? You've been praying about what needs to be accomplished at the house, been praying about how to keep your car man maintained, how to have a heart that's given in that way. Make confession to God and somebody else and then walk in the forgiveness that both give you. Walk in the, in the wonder of being forgiven and then rejoice and celebrate and glorify God when the tasks are completed. So when that piece of furniture gets in the house, I pray that it will be unto the glory of God. Can I tell you, that furniture is not gonna look very good but I'm going to do it the best of my capacity to the glory of God. And the results are up to him. If he wants to give me greater capacity so that it looks better, go for it. So is there anything in your life right now that God says, that's what I want you to accomplish? That's the way I want you to think about your job. That's the way I want you to think about school. That's the way I want you to think about your maintenance in your car. That's the way I want you to think when it's time to clean up your car. That's the way it is when I want you to pick up the clothes off the floor because I'm a God of order and I'm a God of discipline 
and I put that way in you. So what I have given to you, listen to this, what I've given to you in the relationship we have, work it and keep it. And that'll be unto his glory. Now would you bow your head? Let's pray about that. So help us, God, I pray that those words would ring true in our ear, be received by us, that we would testify to its accuracy. Oh, God, where you have exposed our heart, would you reveal that sin? Let us be quick to confess and agree with you and move in a different way from this point forward. I pray it would bring glory and honor to King Jesus. Amen.